Okay. Do you want to tell everyone what just happened? Again. I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, so. TLDR. This is what happened. We got. Haley and I got two hours deep into yeah, today's deep episode. I was in the middle of a tirade about how Terrence Stamp is a wonderful actor. And which will make I sense. turned and glanced. It'll which make, will make sense, sense later on. Which will make sense later on. It's a spoiler. It's a small spoiler. When I glanced at the computer screen and saw that for the two hours... I had not been recording a goddamn thing. It was an hour and 52 minutes, but yeah. It was, mine had an hour 54. Oh, you start, you press record before me. I get, no, but I didn't see. <laughs> yeah, oh. except if, if I had, <laughs> if I had, yeah, I would have. Anyway, this, is, but this no. is crime culture. And, and um, I am an idiot. Yeah. So it's all right. We're going to get into it. Um, so yeah, but, so all that emotional turmoil that we've been feeling for the past two hours talking about this, we're going to rehash going through that. It again. We're going through it again. Yeah, because okay. if, if you've looked at the date or the title of the episode, you'll know that we're talking about September 11th today. Yep. Yeah, because it just you know. kind of, it like, we release on Tuesdays. We saw that uh, so the anniversary was on Tuesday this year, and you know what? We're talking about it. I'm just, I'm just really mad because we were talking about it. We were yes. talking about it for two goddamn hours. <laughs> um, We've been talking about it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, like I said, this is crime culture. I, you probably know the the uh, the ranting one. That's Caitlin. That's me. And the one who actually hit record. That's Haley. Yes. But anyway, um, because we don't want this episode to be super long. We're going to get Not right two into hours. it. No. Yes. We're going to get right into it. And um, we're starting with the lesser known uh, World Trade Center attack, which happened in 1993. And up until two hours ago, I had never heard of. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. it's actually kind of surprising. Some people don't know about it, but on February 26, 1993, at 12.18 p.m., a small cell of terrorists detonated detonated a 1200 detonated 1200 pounds of explosives in a rental van in the underground parking garage of the World Trade Center and the terrorists fled the area after setting the bomb to explode and the explosion created a five-story crater in the subgrade levels of the towers and undermined the flooring of an adjoining hotel and um, another thing people might not know about the towers is that um, yeah there was I don't, I don't know how many stories it was, but there was actually, like, six stories below ground. So right. um, they set it down there. That's where the, uh, the explosion happened. And the attack killed six people and injured more than 1,000 people, including 88 firefighters, 35 police officers, and an emergency medical services worker. And about 50,000 people were evacuated from the World Trade Center complex. Um. The towers were relatively full when the bombing occurred because since it was like a February day at the end of February, um, wintry conditions kept people inside during their normal lunch hour when some people would be out and about. 
and the explosion knocked out electrical power to the hotel and significant areas within the North and South Towers, affecting the operation of elevators, emergency communication, ventilation systems, and lighting. And emergency generators were also damaged in the blast, and they shut down after 20 minutes. So that was the... Yeah, that was the first act of, and I think when I was reading about it, they said it was one of the first acts of, like, actual terrorism to happen on American soil. And it was, like, a pretty big deal when it happened. Um, Obviously, not as bad as what would happen years and years later. But, um, right. yeah, so I'm going to get into the timeline of the actual day of September 11, 2001, when the attacks happened. And we're really not going to talk about it for too long, just because um, we really wanted to focus on the aftermath and the um, societal reaction to this event and kind of Mm -hmm. um, what has happened to society after something like this has happened. And also, it's really upsetting to talk about, so... We're going to get through it as we knew for the past two hours. (laughs) Yeah. So at 7.59 a.m., American Airlines Flight 11, a Boeing 767 with 92 people aboard, takes off from Boston Logan Airport um, en route to Los Angeles. And at 8.14 a.m., United Airlines Flight 175, a Boeing 767 with 65 people on board, takes off from Boston. It's also headed to Los Angeles. And what I had heard is that, I don't know what the exact capacity is, but um, what I had heard is that both these planes were about like 30 to 40 percent full. So right. it's it's like, I mean, obviously, biggest tragedy to happen on American soil in recent history, if not all history. Um, Yeah, it could have been, it could have taken a lot more lives if all of those planes were were filled to capacity. Yeah, Um, which is saying something. What? Which is saying something, given that it was just under 3,000 people in and of itself. Yeah. Um, at 8.19 a.m., flight attendants aboard Flight 11 um, alert the ground personnel that the plane has been hijacked. Uh, American Airlines notifies the FBI, and this is like 20 minutes after the plane has taken off. So this is this is quick. At 8.20 a.m., American Airlines Flight 77 takes off from Duels International Airport outside of Washington, D.C. The Boeing 757 is headed to Los Angeles with 64 people aboard. And at 8.24 a.m., hijacker Mohammed Atta makes the first of two accidental transmissions to Flight 11 to ground control, apparently in an attempt to communicate with the plane's cabin. So I guess he hit something or I don't know. And it um, right. It, it's the first they heard of this guy on the ground. Like it's they, it's they the know first that it's time they became aware that something. Yes. Yeah, they know that it's been hijacked, but this is the first they're, like, hearing from the cockpit of, like, actually what's happening. At 8.40 a.m., the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, alerts the North American Aerospace Defense Command, NORAD, um, their Northeast Air Division sector, which is called NEADS. They're alerted to the suspect hijacking of Flight 11 and in response, NEADS scrambles two fighter planes located at Cape Cod's 
Otis Air National Guard Base, and um, they're told to locate and tail Flight 11, and they're not even in the air yet when Flight 11 crashes into the North Tower. <clears throat> right. So this is all happening, like, this timeline goes, like, minute by minute. This is all happening very quickly. At 8.41 a.m., United Airlines Flight 93, a Boeing 757 with 44 people aboard, takes off from Newark International Airport en route to San Francisco. It has been scheduled to depart at 8 a.m. around the time of the other hijacked flights. So all of these flights were supposed to be at their targets at around the same time so that obviously it would just create mass confusion and there would be honestly probably no stopping it. If they had all like hit at the same time, because who could have guessed like, yeah, it's going to be this building, this building, this building and this building. Um, yeah, no, no one could. Yeah, have. So the fact that the fact that that flight took off 40 minutes late saved lives on the ground, um, which we'll get into later. Um, flight 93 being like one of the um, the flights that we kind of know more about just because the people on board were able to contact friends and family members um, a little sooner than people, I guess, on the other flights because they didn't have as much um, prior knowledge to maybe what was going on. Right. Um, At 8.46 a.m., Mohammed Atta and the other hijackers aboard American Airlines Flight 11 crashed the plane into floors 93 through 99, of the North Tower of the World Trade Center, killing everyone on board and hundreds inside the building instantly. And because of the angle of the impact of the plane, it rendered all the floors from the 92nd floor up completely unreachable by stairwell or elevator. This trapped 1,344 people on those floors. So it just sealed the fate of anyone above the 92nd floor like exactly. there was no getting it there was no way that like no one no. could get there no, no no emergency rescue people could get up there and i just it's just, just yeah i can't honestly, even imagine what those people were feeling well uh, like confusion well <laughs> no confusion but also i mean upon the realization that there was no getting out of there i'm sh- and i'm sure it took a while for them to realize that just because um i mean if you're trapped in that situation, you're going to try everything you right. possibly can exactly. to get down. Um, but what I had also heard on um, the last podcast on the left did like a three-part um, series on 9-11 a couple years ago, which was really informative. So like we're scratching the surface on this stuff. Oh, if you yeah, want no. like deep dives, like obviously there's so much research that you can do and we have so many resources. But right. um, last podcast on the left did um, a section and I think... They said in one of the um, one of the parts was that like people felt the building shake, but they didn't like they didn't really know what was going on, and um, the buildings were kind of designed to not be like super super rigid, and like if if something natural happened, like it would kind of like go with the flow or like the wind or whatever. But right. um, there was a story of like these people like breaking through a wall as they were trying to get down and a woman was sitting at her desk talking to her boss um about appointments he had that week and like these people burst in she's like i have to go something's going on so i don't know if it was in the north tower or the south tower but like there were people in some of the buildings that like as soon as it hit 
people didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Because who would ever think that this would ever happen? No, nobody could have ever predicted that, like, and like it was even, point, it, was, it was a Tuesday morning. It, that's, yeah. That's it. And at this point, everyone must think it is an accident. At 8.47 a.m., within seconds, the NYPD and the FDNY forces dispatch units to the World Trade Center, while Port Authority Police Department officers on site begin immediate evacuation of the North Tower. Um, at 8.50 a.m., White House Chief of Staff Andrew Card alerts President George W. Bush that a plane has hit uh, the World Trade Center. The president is visiting an elementary school in Sarasota, Florida at the time, and that's a famous picture of George W. Bush right. as he's being told, like I think by a Secret Service person or whatever, um, like as he's in a room full of children, which is a very haunting photo. Yeah. Now knowing what's going on. Um, at 9.02 a.m., after initially instructing tenants of the World Trade Center's South Tower to remain in the building, Port Authority officials broadcast orders to evacuate both towers via the public address system. An estimated 10,000 to 14,000 people are already in the process of evacuating. And uh, it's good that somebody made that call. Because one minute later, at 9.03 a.m., hijackers crash United Airlines Flight 175 into floors 75 through 85 of the World Trade Center's South Tower, killing everyone on board and hundreds inside the building. It's at this moment that people realize that this is not an accident. And, um, yeah, if you want to ruin your day and see some... Uh, awful awful footage, footage right. of uh of 9-11 uh anything that you see that is the second plane hitting because obviously it was being broadcast on on news channels just all over because yeah it yeah it was a huge thing that happened a plane hit the world trade center oh my god so lots of these newscasts they're showing you the buildings people are talking about it yeah the plane hit the north tower blah 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 and they you can see the second plane hit which is nuts unfathomable right and you hear people in the newsroom just gasping and screaming and and the like god bless the anchors that were there and had to like keep their composure and wow not just, yeah bro. and not just freak out it's nuts um yeah so even minutes after that, at 9.08 a.m., the FAA bans all takeoff of flights going to New York City or through the airspace around the city. And this is just minutes after the second plane uh, hit the building. And at 9.21 a.m., the Port Authority closes all bridges and tunnels in the New York City area. At 9.24 a.m., the FAA notifies NEADS of the suspected hijacking of Flight 77 after some passengers and crew aboard are able to alert family members on the ground. And at 9.31 a.m., speaking from Florida, President Bush calls the events in New York City, quote, an apparent terrorist attack on our country, end quote. At 9.37 a.m., hijackers aboard Flight 77 crashed the plane into the western facade of the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., killing 59 people aboard the plane and 125 military and civilian personnel inside the building. And at 9.42 a.m., for the first time in history, the FAA grounds all flights over or bound for the continental United States. Some 3,300 commercial flights and 1,200 private planes are guided to airports in the United States 
um, territories and Canada over the next two out two and a half hours. At 9.45 a.m., amid escalating rumors of other attacks, the White House and the U.S. Capitol building are evacuated, along with numerous other high-profile buildings, landmarks, and public spaces. Obviously, because this is so confusing, the World Trade Center, like, both World Trade Center buildings, the Pentagon, everyone's like, what could happen next? It could be anywhere. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, as a precaution, get everybody official out of any official building. (laughs) Basically, um, o- officially. Yeah. Yes. And at 9.59 a.m., the South Tower of the World Trade Center collapses. And it was the second tower to be hit, but the first tower to fall just because of... Um, it It hit lower. It hit, um, it hit like, 10 or 20 floors lower. I don't even remember. Um, but, yeah, I guess because of the angle of the impact, it compromised the building in such a way that it came down before the other one. And at 10.07 a.m., after passengers and crew members aboard the hijacked Flight 93 contact friends and family and learn about the attacks in New York and Washington, they mount an attempt to retake the plane. In response, hijackers deliberately crash the plane into a field in Somerset County, Pennsylvania, killing all 40 passengers and crew members aboard. At 10.28 a.m., the World Trade Center's North Tower collapses 102 minutes after being struck by Flight 11. And this is all, like, 102 minutes. That's a crazy short amount of time for this nightmare to begin. And, I mean, a new nightmare begins after this, which is the aftermath. Like, what do we do as a people after this insane thing has happened? And, um... At 11 a.m., Mayor Rudolph Giuliani calls for the evacuation of Lower Manhattan south of Canal Street, including more than one million residents, workers, and tourists, as efforts continue throughout the afternoon to search for survivors of the World Trade Center site. At 1 p.m., from a U.S. Air Force base in Louisiana, President Bush announces that the U.S. military forces are on high alert worldwide. At 2.51 p.m., the United States Navy dispatches missile destroyers to New York and Washington, D.C. At 5.20 p.m., the 47-story 7 World Trade Center collapses after burning for hours. The building has been evacuated in the morning and there are no casualties, though the collapse forces rescue workers to flee for their lives. At 6.58 p.m., President Bush returns to the White House after stopping at military bases in Louisiana and Nebraska. And at 8.30 p.m., President Bush addresses the nation, calling the attacks, quote, evil, despicable attacks of terror, end quote, and declaring that America, its friends and allies would, quote, stand together to win the war against terrorism, end quote, which became a huge phrase after after the attacks and in the aftermath and everything is like the war against terror was like the big thing that was going to be happening. Right. Um. Yeah, even with zero information. But right. whatever. We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get um, into we're that. We're going to talk about the the ridiculous conspiracy theories and everything. Don't even get me started. <laughs> um, Again. Yes. Uh, so just about the aftermath, like, in this crazy time, what the hell does anyone do? And, I mean, that was people's main question is, like, what can I do? And so the days after the attack, people all over the world were trying to find ways to just give back and to help in like any way they could. 
And cities and towns from all over sent firefighters and EMTs to Ground Zero, as it started to be called. And and like any any emergency personnel was like, what can I do? How can I help? Right. What needs to be done in any way? And because I live so close to Manhattan, we're like basically like a suburb of Manhattan um, because lots of kids, parents like work in the city. Yeah. It's like a huge thing. So I know. Same in Connecticut. Well, where I grew up in Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. So I know a lot of like our emergency personnel like went and tried to help in any way. And um, lines to donate blood at Red Cross offices were and other blood banks were incredibly long. And in Madison, Wisconsin, they were up to a day's wait. So people wanted to help and give back so much that they would sit in a line so willing yeah yeah for like hours and hours on end just because they're like this is the thing that i can do yep and nearly thirty-six thousand units of blood were donated to the new york city blood center in the days after 9-11 and new and established charities raised money for the victims and rescue workers and it was possible to donate to the red cross with just one click on amazon and the organization raised $3 million in that way in just two days. So just from people clicking on a link on Amazon uh, to donate, they got $3 million. That's that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it wasn't just in the U.S. that people were trying to figure out what they can do and, um, like, in remembrance and support in any way. Um there were people in 78 countries that died in New York, Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania on September 11th. And people all around the world mourned lost friends and neighbors, and they donated money and goods to the Red right. Cross and other rescue and relief organizations, and flowers piled up in front of American embassies. Um, cities and countries commemorated the attacks in a variety of ways, like the Queen Mother sang the American National Anthem at Buckingham Palace's Changing of the Guard. In Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, huge billboards were put up that showed the city's famous Christ the Redeemer statue embracing the New York City skyline. And the French newspaper Le, Mon- Le Mans? Le Mondes? I don't know. I, uh, Elliot's not here to me. correct Yeah, me. I was going to say, we need Elliot. Yeah. Um, a big newspaper in France had the headline on September 12th that read, we are all Americans now. And even in Iran, a country we would be at war with very soon, um, thousands gathered at their capital for a candlelight vigil for the victims, which is insane. And um, the nation began to mourn and even just around the country, like Americans were just all struck by it. And um, they began to commemorate the victims and demonstrate their patriotism uh, all over the place. Um, right. Some flew the American flag from their front porches and car antennas. Others pin- like had pins that they wore on their t-shirts at all times and sports teams post- postponed games, celebrities organized benefits and concerts and performances and people attended impromptu candlelight vigils and participated in moments of silence and they gather it in common places like chicago's is it daily plaza d-a-l-e-y i've never I, been I there think i think so know. i can't think of another way to pronounce it yeah um yeah but they they 
got together at this plaza in uh, Honolulu's Waikiki Beach and especially in New York City's Union Square Park. And they posted tributes to the dead and shared their grief with others. And one young man in Union Square told reporters from the New York Times, quote, I don't know why I've been coming here, except that I'm confused. Also, a sense of unity. Um, We all feel differently about what to do in response, but everyone seems to agree that we've got to be together no matter what happens. So you get a little bit of hope in togetherness. And, And that's the big thing that you have that people find found through these it, like this was an utter tragedy but the whole point of it at the end of the day was to tear our country apart and i think that's the one incredible and like good thing that happened that came out of it was that it united everybody and we came out of it just somehow stronger than ever like that sounds so cliche yeah. to say but yeah. everyone just came together and there was such unity yeah and even then like like yeah it was meant to like tear us all apart and like yeah it upended people's lives and just all around the country people are like this terrible terrible thing happened like how do we just move on and political leaders urge people to stay as calm as possible and they promise aid and new york city mayor rudy giuliani rose to national prominence thanks to his leadership in the wake of the attacks and um urged people to just get on with their normal lives which how do you even do that and yeah he even appeared on saturday night live with several firefighters on september 29th i think it was it was like they they were coming back after a hiatus or it was the beginning of a new season or whether whatever yeah something and, um, like that yeah and in the opening monologue lauren michaels asked if it was okay to be funny at such a sad time and giuliani replied why start now and um just like a little <laughs> yeah. bit of yeah lightheartedness Humor. yeah well and like if you read any biographies or autobiographies written by cast members at the time or you watch any interviews um you'll see you'll learn they all were asking themselves that same question like is it okay to be funny like should we take like some time off and let the country grieve and whatnot and the general consensus ended up being like yeah, no like this is like just... this is our way to help yeah like everybody's everybody's asking how can i help how can i help and that was their way to help was to help yeah. the country laugh again and everyone is doing everyone's going to be doing their part and like nothing's ever going to be normal again but we have to go we have to get up and decide okay this is not going to be the thing that keeps our country our entire country down like we're going to show them we're strong by moving on with our lives not moving on as like pushing it into the past but like saying we can survive this and yes. you know what? We're going to be stronger and smarter and more unified after this. And um, yeah, I mean, just little things like that, like a, a little sketch TV show. Not that Saturday Night Live is the smallest sketch, <laughs> sketch TV show. I was going to say little. Like, yes. In the grand scheme of things, like a sketch comedy show can bring lightness back into somebody's life after oh, sure. something like this has happened. And, um, yeah, um, Bush's approval rating, the president during a tragedy, 
Um, right. It was at a 55% before 9-11. It rose to 90% in the days after 9-11, which is the highest of any president. Yeah. At least it, that I God, have seen just, and in my research. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy. Because, I mean, I guess people just need someone to look towards. And, I mean, nobody's going to be perfect in a disaster situation such as this. But, like, I don't know. I guess it's just that one force that people were like, please show us what to do. Help right. us in any way. Um, and Congress quickly passed the USA Patriot Act, which I had heard of, but I didn't know was an acronym, which um, stands for the Uniting and Strengthening America by Providing Appropriate Tools Required to Intercept and Obstruct Terrorism Act of 2001. Mm -hmm. It's a long acronym. It's a, It's a... You know, it's one of those acronyms that was just they threw a bunch of words together in an effort to make an acronym that makes sense to make a it's, word. It's a forced one, but it ended up working. But it works. Yes. Yeah. And that act is um, it significantly but temporarily expanded the search and surveillance powers of the FBI and other law enforcement agencies and. In addition to that act, a cabinet-level Department of Homeland Security was also established during that time. And um, even in New York City, the governor, George Pataki, activated the state's emergency operations center and created a new office of public safety to check on the state's bridges, tunnels, and water supplies. And he won bipartisan support for a plan to establish a lower Manhattan developmental corporation and a state-run World Trade Center relief fund. And I think um, those proceeds would later fund the uh, memorial that's there. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. And um, we'll so, get into that. <laughs> yes, we'll get into it in just a minute. Um, the Obviously, the World Trade Centers were the World Trade Centers. It was in the financial heart of New York. And so the world markets were badly shaken and the towers like I said, we're in the heart of the financial district and um, did it like the attacks did significant damage to lower Manhattan and all of their infrastructure and combined right. with fears of stock market panic. It kept New York markets closed for four trading days and markets afterwards suffered record losses because the financial heart of New York was attacked. And that's where a lot of like the world market trading was. So it's just, it's just insane. Um, obviously, like, we weren't old enough at that point to really know what was going on right. financially yeah. in the world. But uh, I can't imagine being an adult at that point and just seeing, like, the lasting effects of of that just on the world. And, um, no. yeah, and actually the attacks themselves, it just stranded... Tens of thousands of people throughout the United States as the U.S. airspace remained closed for commercial aviation until September 13th and normal service with more rigid security measures didn't resume for several days. And like I was listening to the last podcast on the left's uh, three parter on 9-11. And oh, yeah. in the I think it was in like the first part that one of the guys was um, talking about the security footage of the hijackers like getting onto one of the planes 
And he was mentioning, oh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, they didn't even have to take their shoes off. They didn't have to do this. They didn't have to do that. Right. And one of the other guys was like, yeah, this was before 9-11. Yeah. Would you forget, like, all of these crazy security measures that we have to go through now are Were a result pretty much of this. a direct yeah. result of 9-11. Like, the whole taking your shoes off thing. Like, you used to be able to show up to the airport, like, 10 minutes before your flight left, like a fucking bus station. And, and you could be get dressed on. like a fucking hobo and just do your thing. Yeah. No. Now, you, now you gotta get patted down. It's just, it's a whole thing. And it's not just like when I went to England like this this year and last year, both times I got I got patted down. I had to take my shoes off. Like it became an international Yeah, exactly. Like, it changed it, like everybody it changed every type yes. of travel. Just everybody was affected by it in a national security sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I know. I think it's your turn to get into I was going to say, is it now me? culture shits. All right. So this is the more fun of the unfun part of the podcast. Yeah. This is kind of uh, the stuff that resulted after all this happened. Right. Um, And first things first, we'll get into the memorials. Um, So in September 2007, the 9-11 Memorial and Museum, which had begun to construction the year prior in 2006, began a four-month national awareness tour of 25 cities in 25 states, which began at Finley Park in Columbia, South Carolina, and ended at Steinbrenner Field in Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. And thousands of people participated in the memorial tour and highlights from the tour included an exhibition of photographs um a film with first-hand accounts from the individuals who had directly experienced the attacks and artifacts from the site which included steel beams that were later used in the construction of the memorial and that were made available for visitors to sign so that little pieces of america yeah could be put into the museum yeah um so, and at the opening ceremony in South Carolina, the students of White Knoll Middle School, like we had talked about people who were like, how can I help? What can I do? Um, yeah. These students raised over $500,000 in 2001 um, oh, so that they could give the money to the FDNY for a new truck. Wow. And so, yeah, and those students were honored and retired New York City police officer Marcello Pedvita uh, presented the city with an American flag which had flown over Ground Zero. Oh wow! So yeah, so the memorial was those kids. enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. it just—they deserved to be recognized. Five hundred thousand dollars, like, yeah, damn. just a little middle school. Like, I mean, it's just ugh. kids are the future, man. Goddamn. But um, so. The memorial was planned in the immediate aftermath of the attacks and the, the official like at ground zero. To, yes. Like, yes. Like yeah. we're doing a memorial. That was basically like one of the first things that they were like, all right, well, we have to do this. Um, yeah. And so it was obviously in memoriam of the destruction of the World Trade Center and for the victims and for those involved in the search and rescue and recovery operations and yeah. just the, they wanted to encompass the whole thing in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so the national September 11th Memorial Mu- Memorial and Museum, which is also known as the 9-11 Memorial and Museum, 
Mm-hmm. Um, is a memorial and museum <laughs> um, in well, it New York City. Says it in the name, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's based in New York City at the site of Ground Zero, and it commemorates the attacks that both killed 2,977 people in 2001 and that killed six people in 1993. Yeah, and at the the World Trade Center bombing the, that we talked yes. about in the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the memorial after a long construction period, was opened to the victims' families on September 11, 2011, 10 years after the attacks, and then it was opened to the public the following day on September 12, 2011. Yeah, and I remember when it first opened that um, you didn't have to, like, pay anything, I think, to go and no. see it. That no, you just you had to, like, reserve a Yeah, you like, have to reserve a spot. A spot. That's it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's and operated. you had to go through, like, metal detectors and everything. Yeah, and no, it's it was very... Like, yeah, there was strict It's very high security. I believe um, now that there's not even gates around it. I'm not sure. I haven't I been. I think it's like you just walk up to it now because I remember going with somebody from out of town um, within the last like year or two and we we're, were just downtown. And I was like, oh, the memorial's around here. I wonder if we can um, if we can get our way in. And I think we like walked around a corner and I was like, oh, but here it is. right there. <laughs> the pools are right there. Well, um, no, but it's interesting that you mentioned the you don't have to pay anything because it is operated by a nonprofit institution and their mm-hmm. mission is to raise funds for program and operate the memorial and museum at the site. I think um, like in the very beginning you had to pay maybe it was like a $3 like processing fee if you like ordered tickets online online or something yeah like something something dumb like that yeah probably yeah i think i think it was something like that but like i said i don't think you have to do anything no idea i think you just walk up to them you just walk maybe on maybe on like an anniversary they gate it probably but that's probably more for crowd control yeah it's probably yeah well no then again it could be i don't know there's crazies out there but um, yep. either way, but in terms of the design of the memorial, the winner of the World Trade Center site memorial competition was Israeli architect Michael Arad of a New York and San Francisco-based architectural firm called Handel Architects. And Arad worked with landscape architecture firm Peter Walker and Partners on the design, and he created a forest of swamp white oak trees with two square reflecting pools in the center marking where the Twin Towers stood. And then in August 2006, the World Trade Center Memorial Foundation and the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey began heavy construction on the memorial and museum. And the design is consistent with the original master plan, which was constructed or brought together by Daniel Liebskind, 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 um, L-I-B-E-S-K-I-N-D. Um, and that original master plan called for the memorial to be 30 feet below street level, originally 70 feet. In a plaza and was the only finalist to disregard Liebskind's requirements that the buildings overhang the footprints of the Twin Towers. Mm -hmm. The World Trade Center Memorial Foundation was renamed the National September 11th Memorial Museum in 2007. And the museum was dedicated on May 15th, 2014, with remarks from Michael Bloomberg and President Barack Obama. And then the museum was open to the public after the dedication on May 21st, 2014. Yeah. And it was dedicated in like opened officially in 2014. And I still have not been there. Nope. No. Can't go. I don't have. 
yeah i don't have the emotional i don't have the emotion i was about to say that exact yeah. phrase i was no. like did we say that in the last recording or something like i just i can't i can't do it but um <laughs> yeah i don't have wow. it in me same wavelength yeah different coasts same wavelength that's going to be the new tagline for our podcast yes. um so however while not the 9-11 memorial in new york is probably the most well known there are quite a few others dedicated in the united states i didn't get to look into the ones that are internationally because i figured yeah i think i have already i think i have pictures for the website yeah there's already so many nationally um one the pentagon museum is a permanent outdoor memorial dedicated to the 184 people who died as victims in the building and on american airlines flight 77 during the attacks on september 11th and it was designed by Julie Breckman and her husband, Keith Caseman, of the architectural firm Caseman Beckman Advanced Strategies. And that was with the help of engineering company Bureau Happold. And the memorial opened on September 11, 2008, seven years after the attack. And the design by Beckman and Caseman consisted of 184 illuminated benches engraved and arranged according to the victims' ages. Um, so it was starting with Dana... Falkenberg, who was three years old, and finished with John Yemnicki Sr., who was 71 years old. Um, and it's on a landscaped 190... No, no, no. 1.93. <laughs> <laughs> I moved the decimal point over a little too far in my head. Um, it says 1.93 here in my notes, but that's not what I wanted to read. Um, 1.93 acre plot of land just southwest of the pentagon and the benches representing the victims that were inside the pentagon are arranged so that the people reading the names will face the pentagon's south facade where which is where the plane hit um and then the benches dedicated to the victims aboard the plane that hit the pentagon are arranged so that the people reading the names will be facing skyward along the path the plane traveled towards the pentagon oh, god um, it, I mean, just, it, it was sounds, incredibly well thought out. Yeah, it sounds gorgeous, and I would love to see it. But also, oh god, any any right. memorial for anything is just like oh, rough, oh, rough, it's rough, so rough, beautiful rough, rough. and sad. Um, but it gets prettier and sadder. Um, there's a shallow lit pool flowing of flowing water, and that's positioned under each memorial bench. And there's a wall along the edge of the memorial that begins at a height of three inches and rises to a height of 71 inches for the ages of the youngest and oldest victim of the attack. Um, and donations to have this memorial erected included $250,000 from American forests towards planting trees at the memorial mm -hmm. and $1 million from the Taiwanese government. Which is crazy. Thanks, it is. It's, it's another. I was going to say, yeah, thanks, Taiwan. Um, but also Jeez. just, again, like another example of other countries yes, yeah, coming supporting. together. Yeah. And um, I think on the um, like it, we didn't even really say, but um, the pools that are at um, the 9-11 Memorial in New York City. OK. The edges of the pools are engraved with uh, the names of yeah. everyone that was in either of those buildings right. and the first responders. And I believe one of the saddest things that I saw, if the whole place isn't sad enough, 
Um, yeah, right. There were a couple women who were either on in the building or on the plane that were pregnant. So next oh, to their name, it God. says plus. Yeah, next to their name, it says plus baby. Jesus fuck. I know. <laughs> I know. Good. I, I, I didn't cannot. need that, but thanks, Haley. I know. It's just. Oh God. You should be warned before you see it because when you see it in person, you're gonna ball. I'm gonna make oh, you go with yeah. me. Yeah. Um, you haven't been? No, I haven't been. I haven't been able oh, to bring yeah, myself I've been to a do couple it. Times. I've I've taken a couple of uh, people from out of town because like. Well, now you're gonna take honest, me from out of town. Yes. When I honestly, come home for Christmas, I would I would rather visit that than um. Uh, then have to take the ferry all the way out to the the Statue of Liberty. Um. Oh, we'll do that too. Now that you've moved, do you want to do all the touristy things? Yeah. Now that I'm gonna be a tourist, I might as well. Yeah. Um, why not? Yeah. But um, hey Caitlin, what's another going, memorial? Getting back, I was gonna say getting back on track. Um, so the no, the next memorial that we're gonna discuss is flight the flight ninety three national memorial, and that's located at the site of the crash of United Airlines flight ninety three, which was the one that was hijacked and crashed in Pennsylvania in Stony Creek Township, Somerset County, um, and it was just in a field, and it was about two miles north of Shanksville and about sixty miles southeast of Pittsburgh. And the memorial was made to honor the passengers and crew of Flight 93 who stopped the terrorists from reaching their target by fighting the hijackers. Um, fun fact, the hijack I mean, the people on that flight, this is probably one of the least well-known flights, like least yeah. discussed and everything. Like, I didn't really know about it. It was kind of always just like a quick aside when I learned about it later on. Yeah, it was um, like two, the two planes that crashed into the World Trade Centers and then the Pentagon. And and then there was another one that went in a field. And the yeah. one that went into the field, went, it was not supposed to go into the field, which yeah. I did not know. Um, it was actually aiming for the White House. And the passengers the the hijackers were on and they were like all right everybody go to the back of the plane and they took over in the front of the plane and there's some dispute whether or not they killed the pilots because officials think they did but then on the black box radio there's recordings of the hijackers but then also they think they can hear a pilot speaking yeah like um, another voice yeah but either way the um passengers kind of got into talking amongst themselves and they were like we have like they found they figured out that they were headed towards the white house like and they also found out that one of the passengers he knew how to fly a plane so they all kind of armed themselves and ambushed the hijackers and i believe they killed a few of them and then yeah. they were either just getting into the cockpit or they were like trying to get into the cockpit or they had reached the cockpit and were fighting over the control stick there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah obviously the only information we really have is from people on the flights phone calls to right friends and family members right. so well that how and, long the, were any uh, of and them? in this case the black box and that's why because some people yes, say that they yeah. can he they can hear the voices of the passengers but they just can't tell whether the passengers had made it in yet or whether they were trying to make it in still trying yeah, to make it exactly. in yeah, yeah. but either way the hijackers had no choice or like i that sounds like i'm sympathizing and i'm not um the hijackers purposely unless they were all fighting over the controls um, crashed into the field and did not reach their destination and everybody on the plane did die. Mm. Um, but it did not reach its destination. And in my opinion, those people are heroes as a result. 
Um, yeah. More than anything I could have done because I exactly. would have just been sitting there with I my I would have lost my, my shit. Yeah, I would have lost yeah, my I'd, shit. I would be constantly in a stream of vomit the entire yeah. time. Yep, yep. Um, but so it was made to honor the passengers and crew of Flight 93. And a temporary memorial to the 40 victims was initially established soon after the crash. And the first phase of the permanent memorial was completed, opened excuse me, and dedicated on September 10th, 2011. So again, almost 10 years to the day after the attacks. But um, this one, it, it's it's sad because there was a lot of controversy around the initial construction of this memorial because the design today is a modified version of the entry called Crescent of Embrace, which was created by Paul and Milena Murdoch. Um, because and their resi- their design received a lot of criticism after it was completed because of the use of shapes that many felt were referring to Islam, and a lot of people, a lot of a lot of bigoted people, um, considered it to be disrespectful because Al Qaeda was an extremist group with a warped view of the Islamic religion. Which is me saying that it's not what they were saying. Yeah, and if um, you have zero knowledge of what 9-11 is about, um, the Al-Qaeda terrorist extremist group is re- the ones responsible. The worst. And also, the Islamic, like, people of the Islamic religion, they all are like, oh, yeah, no, we don't take responsibility for those people. <laughs> they're not one yeah, of us. Exactly. They it's may like say the they're Islamic. They may say they're Muslim, but, like, it's a, it's a no. Um, yeah, and it's like it's like the KKK is, like... Exactly, or the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, these are all extremist groups. That doesn't mean it represents everybody from that one religion. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So Murdoch said in a in a telephone um in a (laughs) telephone interview with the Associated Press. Um, it's a disappointment. There is misinterpretation and a simplistic distortion of this. But that if if that is a public concern. I can't speak today. Fuck. Um, (laughs) It's almost like we were recording this for two hours prior. Um, But if that is a public concern, then that is something we will look to resolve in a way that will keep the essential qualities. And so they redesigned the memorial so that it featured the plain shape of a circle as opposed to a crescent. And the circle's design is bisected by the flight's trajectory, which is marked by a clearing in the trees. And the new design mm-hmm. was supposed to emphasize the area of impact. And a concrete and glass visitor center was opened on September 10th, 2015, and is situated on a hill overlooking the crash site and the white marble wall of names um, and an observation platform at the visitor center and the white marble wall are both aligned beneath the path of Flight 93. Yeah, it sounds like a really pretty. It's a really nice thing that gets fucked up. Yes. Um, so then finally there's another 9-11 Memorial Garden in Beverly Hills, California. Um, and like the New York Memorial, it was dedicated on September 11th, 2011, exactly 10 years after the attack. And it was entirely funded by private donors because Beverly Hills, um, and they gave over $600,000 because Beverly Hills. And their names, the donors' names, were inscribed on the monument because, again, Beverly Hills. Yeah, um, I guess if you gave somebody that much money, you want people to know that you gave that much you money. You did it, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah. So commemorative coins were created for the dedication because, again, Beverly Hills. And um, since 2011, commemorative concerts have taken place at the memorial on 9-11 with performers like the L.A. Lawyers Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, The memorial is centered around a 30-foot bent steel beam that was salvaged from the wreckage of the World Trade Center. And it forms part of the grounds of the Beverly Hills Fire Department. And the project was initiated in 2009 when Beverly Hills Fire Chief Timothy J. Scranton announced that they had acquired a 30-foot, 1,900-pound bent floor beam taken from the wreckage of the World Trade Center. And around the beam, there are curved granite benches meant for visitors to reflect upon the tragedy. And behind the beam, there are replicas of the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and the field near Shanksville. Um, and there's also stainless steel plaques with the names of the lives lost that day. So it's just yeah. kind of an all-encompassing. And it's nice that they did that, and it kind <clears throat> of makes sense. Like, initially I was like, oh, well, why would they Why would they erect a memorial? But again, a lot of those flights were headed to Los Angeles. Yeah, and so, like we said, there's 78... Like country, like seventy eight countries lost citizens, right, right, yeah, and um, <clears throat> um, that like Beverly Hills getting that thirty foot beam is um not uncommon because at least in our town and a bunch of surrounding towns, like we have a piece of right the towers because I think because we um we sent um emergency response people but i think like and obviously like we're like my town's currently working on the best way to make a memorial place and like the best place to put it yeah because yeah but i don't know how long we've had the beam for but um yeah a bunch a bunch of places around me because like i said we're like a suburb of manhattan we're so close a bunch of places around me have 30 minutes outside yeah, I can be I can be at the memorial site in probably like forty minutes with traffic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, anywhere you go, usually in front of like fire or police stations, is the um, like a, a small memorial, depending on the size of the the piece that each town was able to get. But yeah, I see memorials like that all the time now. Crazy. Yeah. But, um, so yeah. So those are the memorials. And then we do have a couple, there, there have been, we'll post the whole list. There have been a ton of movies made regarding 9 11. Yeah. Movies, um, documentaries, uh, movies, books, documentaries, um, books, everything. all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, like, try, like we said, like we've said we're be, barely scratching the surface. Yeah. It's definitely not going to be a completed list, but I'm sure we'll post no. like a list. Yeah. But um, so some movies that have the 9-11 attacks that play a strong role in their storylines are 12 Strong, which just came out this year, Dear John, which came out in 2010, Remember Me, which also came out in 2010, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which came out in 2011, and the OG DCOM Disney Channel fucking original movie, 
Tiger Cruise, which came out yep. in 2004. This was like the OG 9-11 movie. And it starred goddamn motherfucking Hayden Panettiere and her cute little brother Jansen. And it had Jeanette McCurdy from fucking iCarly. And she plays Hayden Panettiere's sister. And it's a dream fucking team. And it was a great way to explain to the youngins what happened from their perspective and it was just it was a whole thing and like god bless that we've got who remembers decoms like they were so great i mean and it it like it was also a true story though yeah no it was yeah and Um, it was from such a different point of view perspective yeah a kid on a naval ship that had to respond like with people that had to respond to the tragedy, right? Right. If right. I'm remembering it correctly, I don't yeah, really. Yeah, that's that's what happened. It's like yeah. a tiger cruise is basically when families of service members get to come on to the naval base or boat or whatever you want to call it um, to visit their families in the service, and it's supposed to be like a like a nice little reunion type thing, and they get to see what yeah. their loved ones are doing and everything. And this happened. This particular Tiger Cruise cruise was happening, and nine eleven happened in the middle of it. Yeah, and so then so they were all kind of family like members of all these people are on a naval ship, and then yes. they need to be, the naval ship needs to respond to this tragedy. Exactly. Yeah, and they're all kind of also being faced with, well, we're going to probably have to go to war. And Hayden Panettiere is like, "It's okay, Dad. I know I wanted you to retire, but you've got to serve our country." And like, just God fucking bless, like. Oh, love this movie. I remember, I remember seeing it. I was when I was little, but I don't, I don't really remember everything it was about. I remember too much. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, two of the most well-known, because believe it or not, some people don't know Tiger Cruise. Like, okay, but you're wrong. <laughs> um, two of the most well-known, um, 2006 films are, or 2006 films. Two of the most well-known films that surround the 9-11 tragedy um, are the 2006 film World Trade Center, which was directed by Oliver Stone and stars our boy Nick Cage and Michael Pena. And last year's 9-11, which was written and directed by Martin Giugi, G-U-I, G-U-I, and starring Charlie Sheen. Mm. And they're well-known for opposite reasons yeah um to put it lightly but Let's um, start at the top yeah we're gonna start at the top so world trade center actually tells the story the real story of two port authority police officers who were among the 20 people pulled from the rubble in the aftermath of the attacks and these officers that were portrayed by nicholas cage and michael pena are John McLaughlin and Will Jimeno and their wives, Maria Bello, their wives who were played by Maria Bello, who, no, um, (laughs) and Maggie Gyllenhaal. And officers McLaughlin and Jimeno were involved with the writing and overall production of the film because they wanted- And I think their wives, right? No, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and their wives. Yeah, yeah, they Um, all had input on this. They all, because officers McLaughlin and Jimeno wanted to have a film- that was made to honor their rescuers and also their comrades that died during the attacks. So the producers met with all relevant September 11th victims groups before production began just to let them know like, hey, we're doing this. Stop us if you want us to stop. Um, and yeah, after the film's really release, nice. they, they were so a lot of these movies 
with the exception of one, which we'll get into. They just they went above and beyond. They tried to they tried to show so much respect yeah, to the victims yeah. and their families and the people who died trying to save everyone. Like it just absolutely yeah, when you're wonderful. doing a movie like this or like Pearl Harbor or um, Schindler's List or like oh god Schindler's just, fucking list that one wrecked me. Yeah, when you're doing a movie about a tragedy, you got you gotta like, have you're respect. already being scrutinized. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, so you want to make every option as right um honest and respectful as possible exactly and that sounds like what they did that that's exactly what they did um after the film was released the producers the nypd and the fdny were all very pleased with it former new york city mayor rudy giuliani former governor george pataki um then fire commissioner nicholas scapetta representatives from the port authority just all of them were at the premiere of the film at the zigfield theater in manhattan um and it received generally positive reviews from critics it has a 67 percent approval rating on rotten tomatoes and the website's critical consensus states quote as a visually stunning tribute to lives lost in the tragedy world trade center succeeds unequivocally and is more politically muted than any of than many of stone's other works yeah. So overall, it was well received, especially by the people who were directly affected by the attacks. Yeah. And that's um, kind of the most important. If the people so who see, were there and experienced yes. it say like, this is authentic, it's respectful, then then you that's know exact, it's good. That's exactly my point. I'm like, see guys, this is what we want. This is what we're shooting for. This is what we're aiming for for these types of movies. An example of what not to do can be yeah. found in 9-11, which did which about out, as you well. You said last year? It came out last year. I don't remember Nobody does. All. Nobody does. And that's probably for the best. Um, because it did... I don't even did, remember seeing it advertised. I, I remember seeing it advertised. And I remember even then thinking, who oh, no, this is a bad idea. Um, and it did about as well as you'd expect a movie starring Charlie Sheen to do. Um, and the film... It, it, if you've ever seen i think it was 2001 or 2002 that movie crash where it's like all these yeah. people from different walks of life come together and they experience the same event that's basically how they treated this movie a bunch of people five people get stuck in an elevator in one of the towers and they all have to figure out how to get out spoiler alert none of them get out it was like they tried to make it like crash meets final destination yeah and the um, fact that it had to be like you like there's so many like victims family members and so many um so many amazing people that you could have told their story and done like a little bit of research and like found interesting real people no you needed to create you, fictional this people is, this, this is the could equivalent very well have been the situation that happened but yeah. you have no you have no knowledge <laughs> no no um but so it is probably one of the most disliked films ever made in terms of both like critical reviews and audiences. That's insane. Um, Zach Scharf of IndieWire described the film as appearing to be, quote, one of the most offensive films ever made, end quote, in part due to, quote, the collapse of the Twin Towers being used as a ticking time clock. Yeah, that's such like a an what action movie trope. It it they this is literally the 
the equivalent to a Hollywood bastardization of a national tragedy. It's not the equivalent. It is. It is a Hollywood bastardization of a national tragedy. But yeah. um, so and then there's but wait, there's more. Um, the New York Daily News noted that the trailer had been, quote, panned on social media as offensive, which, yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. Um, yeah. And then Frank Sheck of The Hollywood Reporter even said that the film, quote, proves so exploitative that its end credits dedication to the victims and first responders responders feels tawdry. And mm. another another review, I don't remember who said it that I didn't include in here because I was like, that's too far. But it goes right along with this. Another reviewer mentioned the end, like in memoriam. And he goes, the worst part about the in memoriam was I wish I could forget this movie, but Ooh. I can't because it actually happened. Yeah, I know. Like, that's how Ooh. much people hated this movie like it has an 11 percent on rotten tomatoes yeah it it has a 11 percent rating with an average rating of 2.6 out of 10 and a lot of the reason that people especially hated it was we're gonna get further into conspiracy theories but charlie sheen his personal beliefs regarding the attacks are completely disrespectful towards the the victims and towards the attacks like just all of it and yeah. everybody was kind of like why the fuck would you cast him of all people like i'd take gary Busey over this like mm. at least gary Busey hasn't said some offensive shit which i'll get into um but even pete davidson who he's a cast member on snl a lot of people know him because he just got engaged to ariana grande yeah and that's yeah but his father was a member of the fdny and he died in the attacks yeah and he before the movie was even released he he posted on social media and he condemned the film he was like absolutely not yeah and Um, i'm looking it up i'm looking it up on uh rotten tomatoes right now do you know who else is in this movie Whoopi goldberg yeah uh my girl my my girl no my boy luis guzman um like it's just it sucks it really sucks because there are also some really decent good people good actors in this film but it's just it was gone people went around it the completely wrong way and it's just one of those ones that it sounds like a good idea until it comes to fruition but um so the reason why everybody was so opposed to charlie sheen being in it though was because in 2006 he called the far-right conspiracy theorist radio program the Alex Jones Show. People know Alex Jones. He just got banned from Twitter, finally, after many yeah, moons. Wait, took way too long for Jack to fucking kick his ass to the curb. And he is the same guy that says that Parkland was fake and Newtown yeah, was fuck fake. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, like literally, well, not literally, because he's fucking disgusting, but fuck that guy. Um, but yeah, so... Charlie called his show to voice his support to the then-growing 9-11 Truth Movement, and he suggested that the Twin Towers had been destroyed due to a controlled demolition, which was then followed by a cover-up by the United States government. Yeah, and this went is in 2006. State, was, like, this movie even beginning to be in production at that point? No. No, but he's known <laughs> for this. That's my point. Like, people know, like, oh, crazy Charlie Sheen. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, 
10 years later, 11 years later, and it's like, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to do this. Like, it's just, yeah. it's fucking, it's fucking careless. But um, he went idiot. on to state, it seems to me like 19 amateurs with box cutters taking over four commercial airlines and hitting 75% of their targets. That feels like a conspiracy theory. Yes, and I'm sure you're rice pudding state brain from all of the drugs that you've fucking done can wrap itself around like this dude doesn't have two brain cells two correctly operating brain cells to rub together and you're willing to consider him an expert okay um but then in 2006 he's an actual piece of garbage but look who he was he's a he is a human shit stain calling another human shit stain yeah um so then he also spoke that year at a 9-11 truther convention because they fucking have those in Los Angeles. Yeah, didn't with, need to know that that's a real thing that exists. Right? Exactly. Um, with, with again, Alex Jones, because apparently it's just like one ball sack doesn't go without the other. And he later reaffirmed his beliefs about the conspiracy on Jimmy Kimmel Live when he was in, when he Weird was interviewed by the that. Hollywood reporter. Exactly. Like, this seems like the less okay version of the tom cruise jumping on oprah's couch yeah um except massively more offensive and scientology probably isn't involved but um so then he spoke to the hollywood reporter in september 2017 again promoting this fucking movie so this dude like i'm not kidding when i say he doesn't have two brain cells to rub together he's promoting Uh, this movie apparently Neither apparently do the casting directors or the, uh, the director, the producer, like any of it. None of it. None yeah, of it. You cast this ass. Nobody. It's like, how did it make it this far? And also, everybody was going fucking bananas over the memorial in um, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and how it might allude to Islam. But we're going to cast fucking Charlie Sheen, like, which is more of an affront to the tragedy. Yeah, exactly. But um, no, so he was interviewed by The Hollywood Reporter and he reaffirmed his belief in the 9-11 truth movement and said, I was not just coming up with stuff about 9-11. The voices in his head told him to do it. Um, no, I was parroting those a lot smarter and a lot more experienced than myself who had very similar questions. Not to put this behind us because as brilliantly written, we must quote, never forget but there are still a couple of things just rooted in simple physics that beg some measure of inquiry. I have multiple questions. One, who are these people that are a lot smarter and a lot more experienced than him? Because yeah, you know who, I'm sorry, you know the who fucking else, Gerber baby is a lot smarter and a lot more experienced You know who else parroted him. people who they thought were smarter than them? The Nazis. I was about to say. Um, no. And also, as brilliantly written... Never forget. I'm sorry. He, the only reason he thinks that's brilliantly written is because it's three more syllables than he is able to say. And also, like, even if you don't, even if you believe that it was an inside job or whatever the fucking truth movement is. It's so no disrespectful. One, yeah, but no one can deny that people died. Exactly. And, but and that's what I'm saying. It's disrespectful to the people who died, their families, the men and women, the male and female service members and rescuers and everything who lost their lives in the aftermath because of the, the war that resulted and everything. And like, I'm a pacifist. I don't believe in war um, or rather I, I don't agree with war. But yeah, even I know like 
show some fucking respect like come on yeah. like i'm all for free speech but in this particular case like you need to keep that shit to yourself like sp- share that free speech with one of your little 911 truther conventions yeah but how do you think they all find each other exactly they oh it's fucking insane. reddit they find each other on reddit um but so to to calm ourselves a little bit there is one more film i want to touch on that depicts the attacks and what i really like about this is that it tells it from the perspective of the passengers on one of the flights. Um, yeah. And it's called United 93. It was produced and I believe written by Paul Greengrass. And it stars mm-hmm. Cheyenne Jackson, who we know from American Horror Story, Glee. He's a prominent Broadway actor. And Christian Clemenson, who my grandma knows from Boston Legal. And like 9-11, the movie. Um, God, I'm doing it again. Um, I, I, in, when we last recorded this, I did the exact same thing <laughs> because I did a fucking typo like world trade center with Nicolas Cage. The movie came out in 2006, unlike nine mm-hmm. 11, the movie that came out in 2017, it was amazingly received and was considered one of the most critically com- acclaimed films of 2006. Um, yeah. like World Trade Center was well received. United 93 blew it out of the water. Yeah. Um, So the film gives a real-time account of the events on United Flight 93. um, And the passengers, as I've said, foiled the plot to crash the plane into the White House. And the film holds a 90% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes with the film's critical consensus. I know. And that's also... 10 11 years after like there's been time for people to like rate and hate on this movie and hardly anybody does and can yeah um so the critical consensus is potent and sobering united 93 treats the subject matter with respect never resorting to hollywood aggrandizement and honest like totally it did not um the film did was you see the it? first i you know i watched clips again this is one of those things where it's really tough to watch like I saw Remember Me not knowing because they they do a very good job. Remember Me was a shitty movie that does an excellent job of hiding its connections to 9-11. And without spoiling it, I won't say anymore. Um, But like if I had known about it, I would not have seen Remember Me because I was ball like the first hour of the movie. I was like, this fucking sucks. And then once you get to like the 30 minutes where it's like talking about 9-11 and shit i was like bawling in my chair yeah and i was and i was way too young to see united 93 when it came out yeah no same i want to see it but also i don't know if i can handle it yeah what day what day is a good day to watch it when you're having a shitty february 30th (laughs) yeah right when you're having a shitty day or do you do it when you're having a good day just bring your mood down it's when you're having a really 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 good day so that you can like make yourself have an average day i think it would still just bring me straight down to yeah no i'm pretty sure it would too (laughs) um especially because throughout the movie like this much i know just from like reading the storyline a little bit you're rooting for these people they're like we're not gonna take it laying down we're gonna fucking fight and we're going to save the white house and we're going to help our country and blah 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 and it's incredibly heroic what these people did and you're rooting for them and then it's like and when you watch a movie that's like 
based on true things and you you know what happens you know how end. it ends and that's the thing you yeah. find yourself rooting for these people only to get this rude awakening that they're not going to make it yeah um like to be reminded oh this yeah. is a real thing that happened these are based on real people exactly. obviously it's not a word for word uh, like transcript but like i mean they did the best they could with authenticity but um right yeah this is a real thing that happened yeah. to real people yeah but yeah. um the but the movie did basically everything it could to not cash in on this tragedy unlike 9-11 yeah. um and it the like it I, I don't even know where to begin the passengers of the film were portrayed by professional but relatively for the most part unknown actors um, mm-hmm. In an effort to keep it from becoming like some blockbuster that everybody's like, oh, I want to see this person because like Tom Cruise is in it or whatever. Yeah. Like if it was like Flight 93 starring Brad Pitt. Then exactly. It would have exactly. had a different response. Exactly. Um, so that was one thing. But then the roles of the flight attendants, the pilots, the airline personnel, all of it, almost all of them were filled by actual airline employees. So yeah, that's crazy. They wanted to bring more authenticity to it. And then what's the um what's the movie that came out pretty recently about that? Was it a hijacking of a train? It was some tragedy taking, that had happened. The on taking train, of and Pelham ha- 123? Yes. Yeah, and they had like the actual That's a remake. What? No, then that's not it. That's not it. Because that's I don't fictional. Know. No, no oh, then a, I don't know. Fruitvale Station? I don't know. <laughs> I have no I, idea. I don't even, I'm afraid to even look it up. Is it to the get one it wrong, with Liam Neeson? <gasps> no, oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Where the military guys are on the plane. I mean, the yeah, train. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like yeah. a hijacking of a train or yeah. something. And they yeah, and the they were on leave. People. And yeah, no, I know what you're yeah, talking they about. Saved I, it. I, I think Clint Eastwood was the one that was producing yeah, that as well. That sounds yeah, right because he's very into like the service. Oh, I remember now. Yeah, um, but that's what it that's what this fact kind of reminded me of is right. like to be as authentic as possible. Exactly. Well, no, and it gets even better because even some of the real life like people who had to do with this played themselves, um including the this is a long title, but bear with me. The Federal Aviation Administration National Operations Manager, who um Ben Sliney and he was actually appointed shortly before the attacks, and he was one of the ones <sighs> that was, what's the word? He helped orchestrate, like, all right, well, what are we going to do? He was one of the first ones to find out about the attacks. He was, like, top of the totem pole. Like, yeah. he was he was basically the guy that was like, okay, go tell President Bush. Like, Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so obvi- like, obviously one of the first people to find out about it, because he's yeah. the operation manager of he's the, the head FAA. Honcho. Yeah, yes. and the FAA heard before um, the FBI and everything did. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so he was in it. He played himself. And it, to, as if that wasn't enough to add to the film's authenticity, um, the families of the passengers and crew members that were killed cooperated in the production and offered Greengrass detailed backgrounds about their loved ones, the clothes that they were wearing, the reading materials or music that they had brought with them, and even some of the snacks that they might have brought on board. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, just so that they could have it completely down to the science. And also, yeah. as a... Th- this is the, my last tidbit. 
as a not so quick fun i mean as a not so fun quick fact um the actor who played the lead hijacker a iraqi-born london-based actor named louis al-samari was denied a visa by the u.s immigration officials which he needed to come to new york city to attend the premiere of this movie and yeah. they denied him because he was once a conscripted member of the iraqi army but whether they chose to ignore or they didn't know or what um he was granted asylum in 1993 by the united kingdom as a refugee after he deserted the Iraqi army. But either yeah. way, the fact that this still went on to affect people in that he wasn't even able to go see his own film because yeah. of these travel bans and whatnot. It's just, it's it's insane. Yeah, and it's the heightened insane. security measures and everything, right. and the profiling that happened as a result. Exactly. Yeah. Insane. But, um, but aside from like just movie movies, fictional movies, there were also a slew of documentaries regarding the events of 9-11. But um, two of the ones that at least really stood out to us, like you suggested these to me and when I was looking mm -hmm. into it, um, one is 102 Minutes That Changed America, and it is a 102-minute film. It's a American television special documentary that was produced by the History Channel, and it premiered commercial-free on the seventh anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on Thursday, September 11, 2008. And it, yeah, and honestly... Um what commercials would you put in? <laughs> like, if it was going to be a regularly scheduled show know, with Rogaine? commercials in the middle, how do you cut from, like, <laughs> I don't the know. worst tragedy, <laughs> the worst tragedy in recent but history? But I don't think it had anything to do with that, because I'm sure that other documentaries, like we're going to talk about the next one that was on the Discovery Channel, I'm sure that they aired commercials and whatnot, too. Yeah, but, but the way that this one was filmed, I don't think you oh, could true. find a way to true. cut it. True. Yeah. But I was just thinking in terms of, out of respect, that that was why yeah. they didn't do it. Um, yeah. Because I'm sure others have, and I'm sure that they will in the future. But regardless. Yeah. Um, so the film de depicts in virtually real time the New York-based events of the attacks. And it primarily uses raw footage from mostly amateur citizen journalists and focuses mainly on the reactions of the inhabitants of New York during the incident. And the documentary is also accompanied by an 18-minute documentary short called Eyewitness, I-Witness, to 9-11, which features interviews with nine first-hand eyewitnesses who captured the footage of the attacks on camera. Yeah, and that's... It's insane. awesome. Like that's it's, the fact that people were able to do that. That's yeah. I incredible. mean, it's like I, it's I terrible, but also that's history. No, 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 yeah. no. But for the sake yeah, of it's, never forget, like always it's a, remember, yeah, it's an important part of our history to have that on film. But um, exactly, especially having it from like eyewitness accounts. No. Because yeah. on the last podcast on the left, uh, their part one, where they talk about the day itself, uh, yeah, they do say it before they play it, but um, as a trigger warning, they yeah. have, yeah, they have audio clips of um, people who were there, and the one right. that just fucked me up, <laughs> that I had to, like, pause it, like, take a breather, like, take a little bit of a walk, was... Um, All of them. 
Yeah, no, there was one yeah. <laughs> with these, uh, a couple of students, like, I think he said that they were NYU students. Oh, I heard about this, yeah. Yeah, and they were uptown, and um, I guess, like, the first plane hit the North Tower, and um, I guess they were talking about it for a little bit. Someone got a camera out or something, and they're, they're recording, and obviously it's the podcast, so it's just the audio, but um, you hear them just be like, oh my god, like, you hear you hear the ambulances and stuff in the background. And this is after the first plane hit. And um, you hear the the kids going like, oh, my God, like, that's so terrible. Those poor people. Oh, my God. Like, what even happened? Like, it was an explosion. Then they see, like, the plane and everything. And then, uh, obviously, like, you hear it. You hear the moment that the second plane hits because they freak the fuck out screaming, crying, like, what do we do? What do we do? And I'm like, I can't. I can't listen to that. No, I can't even. Thank God I was yeah, that's too young to really right? grasp it. Yeah. I I would not have wanted to be an adult during that or young adult or anything. I was like nine. Right. Yeah. No. Um, but so, yeah. So according to the film, most of the archival footage was originally in sole possession of the United States government but it was released to the History Channel years after 9-11. And the documentary film attracted 5.2 million viewers, and interest was widespread throughout the, the, the world. Um, mm-hmm. The documentary aired on Channel 4 in the UK, France 3 in France, and the History Channel in Brazil on September 7th, 2009. Um, additionally, it aired on... SBS 6 in the Netherlands on September 9th, 2009, and on ZDF in 2009 and 2010. And A&E Television Networks, which is the parent company of the History Channel, aired the documentary across all of their cable networks on September 11th, 2011 at 8.46 a.m. Eastern Time, which is the exact time that American Airlines Flight 11 crashed into One World Trade Center 10 years prior. So as you're watching it, it's minute by minute of exactly what happening. happened exactly to the, like to the minute down on the to the minute yes yeah, yeah. Which, um ah, god which is incredible like it, incredibly sad but also yeah incredible yeah um so at the 2009 and like you said incredibly time, important that we have that footage yeah no because i mean i think it would have been like we all remember we all know the saying for example remember the alamo but how many people actually know what the fuck happened at the Alamo? Yeah. This is something that will be ingrained for and years to come. by so many people. Exactly. Like, exactly. we have it from every angle. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the benefits of technology, to say the least. But um, at the 2009 Primetime Emmy Awards, the documentary won four Emmys. Um, which were Outstanding Picture Editing for Nonfiction Programming, Outstanding Nonfiction Special, Outstanding Sound Mixing for Nonfiction Programming, and Outstanding Sound Editing for Nonfiction Programming, Single or Multicamera. So it was extremely well received by everybody. But um, then the next one that we should discuss is called Inside the Twin Towers, which is a television special documentary film released by the Discovery Channel on September 3rd, 2006. Um, it's also, when I was researching, it's also called 9-11 The Twin Towers. 
like it's the names appear to be either one it changed to that at some point or they're interchangeable i don't really know um but so the documentary revolves around several world trade center workers and rescuers as they retell their own experiences from the attacks beginning from the moment of when united airlines flight 11 hit the north tower to american airlines flight what did i say uh united fuck no american ignore me um to the collapse of both of the towers and it uses reenactments and computer generated imagery and whatnot to recreate a minute by minute account of what happened inside the twin towers during the world trade center attacks yeah um and the united states version is narrated by a relatively unknown actor named harry pritchett but and here we go here here it all comes full circle this is the moment, guys. From here on out, we're going to be recording entirely new information because <laughs> <laughs> um, it also the the British version, which premiered BBC. At, on BBC One. I'm trying to mm-hmm. get it together. I'm so excited. Um, from September on September 7th, 2006, it is narrated by none other than goddamn motherfucking Terrence Stamp, who we all know as the spooky ghost butler in another disney channel movie the haunted mansion with eddie fucking murphy and honestly like i love it i love it so much i love him it's great um i love but i love when you're listening to a documentary and the person narrating you're like (gasps) i know know that that guy (laughs) because i was listening to a documentary just some random uh documentary about the ocean on netflix which is like it's my kink right. to listen to like yeah. <laughs> like yeah. ocean documentaries but i was listening to one and i'm like it's because you go to every aquarium known to man yeah p.s it, my bucket it, list is to go to every aquarium yeah um, no. but i was listening and you've to almost one. completed it no not even close well to me you have um i was listening to one and i was like is that fucking brian cranston and I waited till the I end credits, wondering. and I was like, "I was like, that's Brian Cranston." <laughs> I was wondering if it was going to be the Brian Cranston one, but I didn't want to like spoil it for you if you hadn't seen that one yet. Yeah, but no, I, I loved it. It was weird, but anyway, yeah. Um, Back to the, this nightmare. The, yeah, the documentary was nominated for the 2007 Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Made for Television Movie, which it did not win. And it was nominated for a 2007 British Academy Television Craft Award for editing, which it also did not win, and one for sound factual, which it did win. However, back to my hunch. If they had just used Terrence Stamp for the narrator in both and had also maybe cast him as all the reenactment actors, like just throwing it out there, just like giving ideas, they probably would have won every award. I'm just saying. You know, I think I'm just saying. that having him play all of the reenactment characters would, would be a brilliant a idea. No, no, no. He's, he and is not factually accurate. No, 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 no. He's like, he is like a silver fox Daniel Day Lewis. Like he can become anyone like i like he played a spooky ghost butler like there's no fucking way he can't play like a woman trapped in the towers there's just there's no way there's no way i love him we'll we'll talk more about our favorite halloween movies um later on you'll hear more info about that (laughs) you'll hear more info about that at the end but uh Um, oh shit yeah but so um yeah 
but so that those are the documentaries and then we were talking about you in our previous recording Haley made a funny little joke that wasn't funny at all saying that what? we'll go to the 9-11 memorial and then we'll also after that as to lift up our spirits we'll go see dear evan hansen yeah well, i, I was see saying your suggestion because, i was because saying it's depressing let's no because we're we neither of us have gone to the 9-11 museum I've right. been to the memorial multiple That's times. That's what I meant. You've never been to the memorial. I've or never the been museum. to the museum. Yeah. So I don't have the emotional fortitude to go to the museum. So nope. what event do you do after you've been crying uh, for several hours inside the 9-11 memorial? You do something that also makes you depressed and you go see Dear Evan Hansen. But no. It's just a day of crying. No, 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 Haley. Because why would you go see something depressing like Dear Evan Hansen when instead... You could go see something depressing like Come From Away, which is okay. the Broadway musical with a book, music and lyrics written by Irene Sankoff and David Hine that is set in the week following the 9-11 terrorist attacks and tells oh, the true story a full day of it. Exactly. It tells the story of like it's a true, completely factual story about what happened when 38 planes were told to land. Like we would talked about, everybody, everybody was told to land immediately. And 38 planes had to land in this tiny little town of Gander, which is located in Newfoundland and Labrador, as part of Operation Yellow Ribbon, as it was called. And the characters in the musical are based on and in most case have the same names of real life Gander residents as well as some of the 7,000 travelers that were stranded that the Gander residents housed and fed. There's a, there's a line in one of the songs where it was That's basically, it goes, it goes something like, thank you for shopping at Walmart. Would you like to stay at my house? And apparently that's like basically how it was. Oh my God. That's basically nuts. how it happened. And people met and fell in love and like wow. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, so at the 71st annual Tony Awards, it was nominated for seven awards, including Best Musical, Best Score, Best Book of a Musical, and Best Featured Actress in a Musical for the actress Jen Colella. And it ultimately won for Best Direction of a Musical. And also when the, so it premiered in Canada first. When the musical uh -huh. premiered, they invited the FDNY and the NYPD and the victims, families, and everyone to come see like the show for themselves first. And oh, wow. everybody was apparently they like the New York Times reviewers, all of it. They like of all of the performances, the cast and crew said that one was the scariest for them. Wow. Like, yeah, the, they didn't care about the New York Times review. They didn't care about the one with the people who lived it. That was the scariest. Yeah. And, and um, what a what an interesting angle. Exactly. Like, exactly. I mean, you'll still I fucking would, I cry. I never would have known that story exactly well and that's the thing that's what and these the the people who wrote it are canadian so that's how they knew it but yeah. um so they they brought them out to canada to come see it and whatnot and the next day they received flowers and baskets of merch from the fdny and nypd and thank you notes and oh, just wow. everything from it was like unanimously yeah, well received yeah which Crazy. made it all the better. But yeah, yeah, no. So after we go to the museum, we're going to cry some more at the musical and we're going to make it a full 9-11 day. Sounds like an evening. Sounds like, sounds like it's going to be a fucking day and we need some ice cream on hand and some waterproof mascara on eye. If you eye. ever wanted a day to just cry, this will be it. 
And in we'll between see. both those things, we can listen to the music that was inspired exactly. Exactly. Uh, by the events. Yeah. Um, we'll make a playlist. Tell me about some of those. So, I, I, this is another case of not even being able to scratch the surface. surface. We'll put it all on Spotify for you. But there have been a ton of songs that have been inspired by the events of 9-11. And in particular, a lot of country songs, because those tend to have a lot of themes of American pride and support for our country and for our troops and whatnot. But for the sake of time, like we're just going to talk about a few. Um, one, John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora released their own rendition of America Beautiful, the Beautiful in honor of the attacks, um, which, wow, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um, Michael Jackson also wrote and performed a song called What More Can I Give at a October benefit for the 9-11 victims. R.I.P. MJ. And the song was originally this. It was going to be released as a benefit single, but it never ended up being released. So oh, wow. only, yeah, only the people who were there and who watched the benefit and whatnot got to got to hear it. Yeah. Um, Tori Amos released a song in 2002 titled I Can't See New York, which was featured on her album Scarlet's Walk. And the song describes the experience of an airplane passenger on 9-11 circling over New York City and being unable to see the World Trade Center. Mm. Um, Cheryl Crow wrote a song called Out of Our Heads for her 2008 album Detours. And the song both commends the courage shown on 9-11 and also she criticizes former President Bush's television address that was given on the day of the attacks. Um, Coldplay's frontman Chris Martin, who we all know, um, has also said in interviews that the band's song Politic was written on the same day as the attacks, and he wrote mm. it because he was inspired by the event and how it caused his realization of one's mortality. Yeah. Um, one of the ones that I found really interesting also, Gerard Way of the late band My Chemical Romance, R.I.P., um, he not only wrote the band's 2002 song skylines and turnstiles about the attacks but he witnessed it first the attacks firsthand when he was on his way to work his his job in new york oh wow Um, but he has said that he went on to form the band after the fall of the twin towers and that this was the first song that the band ever wrote whoa right i know um and then finally last but not least Basically, the entirety of Bruce Springsteen's 2002 album, The Rising, was about 9-11. Um, mm. Nine out of the 15 songs on the album were about 9-11 in some way. And two out of the three singles that came off the album were about 9-11. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, like, people see it as a 9-11 song, like, yeah. and, like album, like album. And who and better sure than Bruce Springsteen? I'm sure there's who now, a thousand more songs. Oh, no, I'm not kidding. There there literally probably is. Like the the yeah. list that I pulled was incredibly long. Yeah. Um but we don't have time for that because now we need to move on to the most infuriating part of our segment segment, I can't speak, which is conspiracy <laughs> theories. I, I can't speak don't... out of the fury that I'm already feeling and I haven't even begun reading yet. Yeah, and like we have a an advanced spark noted version of this like this is like nothing but and you um, would think that it's because for the sake of time but it's also because for the sake of sanity i I can't i can't go like full like spittle flying from my mouth rachel maddow having a breakdown yeah fury on um, this podcast if you want want, like deep dives obviously you can do your own terrifying research 
just or, take a Xanax before. <laughs> yeah. Or um, the last podcast on the left, um, part two and part three yes. Yes. of their 9-11 series. Marcus Parks is the one that does their uh, research and he does incredible research i think he had research assistants on that one too yeah he has incredible research so listen to him talk about it and get pissed because oh yeah no get ready to get get mad (laughs) you know i'm not as hilarious but here we go um so the most prominent conspiracy theories on 9-11 can be very broadly divided into three main forms which is yeah these aren't the theories themselves they're just like the categories that they're put into we're gonna try to make this a little fun the first one is called lie hop or lie let hop. it happen on purpose lie hop lie hop um i don't know if anyone suggests abbreaves it like that but we are yeah um so lie hop suggests that key individuals within the government had at least some knowledge of the attacks and deliberately ignored it or actively weakened the united states defenses to ensure the hijacked flights were no longer in- were not intercepted um, similar allegations were also made about Pearl Harbor. Um, one of now the main there, people. Oh, go ahead. There's like some validity to like playing devil's advocate. There's some validity to maybe somebody knew something before it happened. Maybe not to the degree. I, yeah, I don't think it was someone, to the degree. Yeah, maybe someone knew something, and like n- maybe not to the degree or the day or there, the place. There, there, we were getting threats from Al Qaeda all the time, but it was never like yeah. on September 11th at 8:46 a.m. We're gonna crash yeah, this exactly. plane, and like yeah, there so, was no, and we're gonna yeah, and we're gonna tell you the flight number and everything. Because yeah, I mean, but I don't know if anyone deliberately ignored right. anything or actively weakened the defenses right. of the United States. Right, that's crazy. Also, Same thing with one Pearl of the Harbor, main people. Yeah, no. But one of the main people that's accused of knowing something and doing nothing about it is President Bush. And yeah. I, I take issue with this for a couple of reasons. One being, if you know anything about the U.S. government, mm-hmm. President Bush does not run, the president does not run the fucking country. Like, yeah, he exactly. is not he like president bush wasn't even the first person to find out about these attacks so number one yeah well all the, the power does in, not lie in this man's hands yeah the other thing they said about in last podcast on the left they go they go into like a deep spiral about uh dick cheney and say that he was pretty much the president that day because he was in the white house and he was making true um, true decisions and stuff and but that brings me yeah. to my next point we're talking about a man that paints self-portraits of himself in the bathtub and sneaks candy to Michelle Obama during Aretha Franklin's funeral. We're not talking about some huge political mastermind here. I highly yeah, doubt really that President Bush would have been capable of being like, no. so here's what we're going to do. And we're going to bomb was, the Twin Towers. We're going we're gonna to bring him down. If he was responsible... It was because somebody wrote something up and because just Dick it Cheney under his face was like, either it. do this or I'm gonna shoot another guy in the face on a hunting trip. Like that's why. Like there's no way. There's no way. But anyway, Wasn't we're gonna move on shot? to the next one. What? No, who was the no Cheney the one shot, shot a guy? No, Cheney uh, shot some okay. poor motherfucker. <laughs> no, just no, it was all Dick rush. Cheney. It was all Dick Cheney. <laughs> Because you know it's it's easy to confuse a person for wildlife. 
Um, but anyway, I mean, he thought it was the don't Sasquatch. Tell me, don't tell me his favorite book was the most dangerous game because that's just <laughs> that's just too obvious, right? Oh God, yeah. But no, what's the second one? So the next one of is conspiracy theories. My hop, which is hop. make yep make or made it happen on purpose. Mm-hmm. And that is that key individuals within the government planned the attacks or and collaborated with or framed Al-Qaeda in carrying them out. There's mm-hmm. a range of opinions about how this might have been achieved. And one popular argument is that Hollywood producers were hired to create the footage with special effects and that actors were hired to portray victims and their loved ones. And this is one that's also perpetuated by like Alex Jones and Charlie Sheen and those types. And it's fucking sick. Like I've said, it's completely disrespectful to the people who died, to the people who were left behind. Like it just, it's like, this one is just like, the first one is just fucking stupid. Lie hop. Yeah. Um, Lie hop is lies. And my hop is just, my God, how can you be so callous? Like, it's just like, this goes beyond stupidity and just fully into inhumane territory. Yeah. And also like, like there's one thing to say like oh yeah it was staged which is insane how but then there are also people that say like it just straight up didn't happen yeah no the twin towers are still standing didn't you see i just saw them the other like, day that's the th- like people have that thought about um the holocaust like it didn't happen oh i I'm know like, well, uh, i saw well, a really interesting <laughs> i don't remember who was it was somebody i don't remember if it was a book signing or someone was speaking or something like that many moons ago and um, mm-hmm. you know the the unit of time, the moons, um, and a Holocaust victim went up to a conspiracy theorist who was like, "It never happened," and showed them their um, not tattoo, what their branding that yeah. they received from the Nazis, and was like, "You try to tell me this wasn't real," and I was like, "Yo, yeah, it's fucked, like hot damn, like oh yeah, I fucking love it." But no, so the final one is just the other category. It doesn't have a cute little fun acronym. Um, I just realized, are we the people who created acronyms that were relatively unnecessary? Did we just do that? Maybe. Near, I don't know. Saying, okay. So the, the other category, it's, the, it's just everybody else. Um, the people who reject the accepted account of the 9-11 attacks. And you mean the not- documented and Yes. Oh, oh we'll get one. into We'll get into that, boo-boo. <laughs> um, they aren't proposing specific theories because that would require too much brain, brain power. But um, they try to demonstrate that the U.S. government's account of the events is wrong. And this, according to them, would lead to a general call for a new official investigation into the events of September 11, 2001. Um, however, according to Jonathan Kay, who is the managing editor for comment at the Canadian newspaper National Post and author of among the among the truthers a journey through america's growing conspiracist underground he says they feel their job is to show everybody that the official theory of 9-11 is wrong and then when everybody is convinced then the population will rise up and demand a new investigation with government resources and that investigation will tell us that what actually happened um this is uh, the other category can also fall under the whole like Bush did 9-11 and jet fuel can't melt steel beams memes. Yeah. Um, which we've which we've sort of discussed. But um, it's just it's this one is also 
These are the people that are like, I want to form a conspiracy theory, but I'm too lazy to do that. So I'm just going to say it didn't happen the way it was the way that people say it happened and then just call it a day. Yeah, I don't have any opinions of my own, but I also don't like agreeing with other people. (laughs) It's not a phase, mom. Um, Yeah, but no. But um, so, yeah, so that so these are the types of people that we're dealing with here. And um, many conspiracy theorists like like they mentioned in like John K mentioned um, they have urged for a national investigation. Some some have been like there needs to be a new one, but a lot of the less educated ones go around saying there needs to be a national investigation conducted regarding the events of 9-11. Which, and- sure, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but here's the thing. Fun fact. They did that. Yeah, they I know they, did, they that. did that. And then didn't the 9-11 commission come back and say there's no evidence that um, anyone has the weapons of mass destruction that we're allegedly looking for. Oh, I'll tell you what they and fucking then pe- said. And then people came out and they were like, well, we have we have other knowledge. It's like, well, why wouldn't you it's share that with your state. fucking commission? It's the deep state. QAnon oh, told me so. No. Um. So the 9-11 Commission's official name is the National Commission on Terrorist Attacks Upon the United States. And it was formed on November 27, 2002, to provide a, quote, complete account of the circumstances surrounding the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. The commission said it had access to all documents and interviews it requested. Um, so there goes one of the theories that everybody's like, well, they weren't given everything. They, they even said they were like, no, we've got everything. We asked for yeah. it. We received it. That's it. We are having no issues. Um, they reviewed more than two million pages of documents. Mm. Um, and on July 22nd, 2004, they released a 570-page, 14-chapter report that concluded that a, quote, failure of imagination, end quote, kept U.S. officials from understanding the al-Qaeda threat before the attacks on New York and Washington and called for the single national intelli- called for a single national intelligence chief and a single counterterrorism center modeled on the military's unified commands. It also proposed the creation of a single joint congressional committee to oversee homeland security and included 41 recommendations for reforming U.S. security agencies to fight the terrorism. So basically, the conspiracy theorists got what they were asking for a long time ago, and they just didn't get the answers that they fucking wanted. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so, I think if you're a conspiracy theorist, like... You, I, I'm sure the commission's report is uh, able to be viewed in part somewhere, <laughs> at least. Oh, no, you can. You can access it. But I'm still going on with the their theories. And it's like, you clearly have an excellent imagination. But, like, why don't you, like, use it for something else? Like, write a children's book or create an improv troupe or do something... Cr- yeah. Do something constructive with your white why you gotta why you gotta like be like 9-11 was an inside job or it didn't happen or the people were actors like i don't like it (sighs) speaking of actors speaking of actors we did have a couple actors i'll go through it fast and then we'll be done um well and then we're gonna talk about our our special announcement well yes but i mean we'll be done with 9-11 Yes. Except oh, not God. really because we'll never forget. But no. four hours later, we'll be done with 9 11. 
Yeah. Um, fuck me. Um, <laughs> so Mark Wahlberg was supposed to board American Airlines Flight 11 along with Seth MacFarlane. Um, instead, Wahlberg was invited to attend a film festival in Toronto and decided to charter a jet with some of his friends. Because uh, rich and people. Because, yeah, exactly. Because Beverly Hills. Um, and... McFarlane had been out drinking the night before and had a history of missing flights. So when his travel agent listed his flight time as being 10 minutes later than it actually was, all of that came together and he ended up missing his flight and he slept off his hangover in the passenger lounge and woke up to the news that the planes had that it was like the North Tower was on fire and the plane he was on had hit one of was supposed to be on it hit one of the towers. Um, And then Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, um, ever the troublemaker, had a little bit of controversy because he went on to say that if he had been on the flight, he would have stopped the attacks from happening. Yeah, bullshit. Hey, they tried that. It didn't happen. It didn't work. They just crashed it into a field. That shit so far, taking a fucking uh, uh, parachute and jumped the fuck out of that plane. do show them your fucking calvins like come on come on this is a transformers like 25 oh god i just i love it so much um but no so understandably people got pissed yeah no shit (laughs) Haley, what oh i heard like a beep so i got nervous i thought you had left (laughs) no i'm here okay (laughs) don't go okay don't ever let go um what happened so, after people got mad? Well, as one often does when people get mad, he apologized. Um, he said his comment was insensitive and he apologized to the families of the victims of those who actually boarded the plane that day. Yeah. You piece of shit. <laughs> like, Keep like your mouth shut, there's, you there's dummy. Two kinds, there's, two, <laughs> there's two kinds of 9-11 yeah. stupidity. We've got on one end of the spectrum, we've got Mark Wahlberg, who's like, I'm going to stop it. And then on the other end, we've got Charlie Sheen, who is like, it was somebody else. It was something else. The Gerber baby yeah. told me it, this didn't happen this way. Like, so, yeah. So, no. Um, Rob Lowe was flying home after taping an episode of The West Wing, as he normally did, because he's Rob Lowe. And he thought nothing of the flight. It wasn't remarkable or unusual, like, in any way. And he slept through most of it. But um, months after the terrorist attacks, he received a notice in the mail that 9-11 plotter Zacharias Musawi, M-O-U-S-S-A-O-U-I, wanted Mm -hmm. him to be part of the deposition at Musawi's trial, Musawi's trial. Um, And Roblo realized that he had been on a flight with several of the men who planned the attacks that took place on 9-11. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, he was quoted as saying, I flew with the 9-11 hijackers. I was on a dry run on the one that went into the Pentagon, and I knew the crew. Whoa. I know. That's nuts. Um, then we have Australian swimmer and Olympic gold medalist Ian Thorpe. Um, he was out for a jog and intended to go to the observation deck at the World Trade Center when he realized he had forgotten his camera. So he hailed a cab and asked the cabbie to take him back to his hotel so he could get it. And he got into his hotel room and turned on the TV and saw that the North Tower had been hit. Wow. Yeah. Talk about serendipity. Yeah. Um, and then one more. The Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, a.k.a. Fergie, TBT to that lawsuit. Um, oh, God. Was, remember that? 
barely um, but okay she sued like fergie for the name fergie oh all right because even though their names were spelled differently like it was thrown out it was not a big deal but people were like yo like there's two fergies and she was like not on my watch um because that's how british <laughs> okay. people sound yeah i know right um so she was filming an interview on good morning america on september 11th 2001 and she finished up the segment and was on her way to her office on the 101st floor of the North Tower at One World Trade Center when she heard that the towers wow. had been hit. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there like, was a kid crazy. I went to elementary school with that his dad worked in one of the towers. And um, the kid had left his lunchbox in his dad's car. So the dad was like pissed and he like turned around all mad before he got to the bridge and like went to go drop off the lunchbox and... Uh, and that's when he heard your kid fucking saved your life dude yeah and you there can never discipline him again place yeah there were so many stories like that it's it's wow. crazy that's insane yeah. well there yeah. was one i didn't read enough on it but there was a woman who was walking to she had like gone to a yoga class or something and was walking to work at the world trade center and she stopped she was jaywalking and a car stopped and almost hit her and it turned out to be gwyneth paltrow and oh, wow. she was like, oh, shit, you're Gwyneth Paltrow. And Gwyneth Paltrow was basically like, oh, shit, I am. And then they were like, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. And long story short, it delayed the woman enough that she did not get to the towers in time. Oh, wow. I know. Yeah, there's so many crazy stories about like that. It's insane. Oh, absolutely. Like the owner of the World Trade Center, like... The, the guy that owned the towers, he was supposed to be in the building at the time, but his wife kept nagging him to go to the dermatologist. So he did that. And yeah. like all kinds of stuff, all kinds of crazy shit. There was a, like um, a friend of my parents um, that he, he was supposed to have a meeting, I think, in the Windows of the World, which is the, the restaurant. Right. That's on top of the building. Was. And uh, he was supposed to have a meeting. There? What? Was or is it still there? Like, did they recreate it? I don't know if they put one in right? One World Trade in the Freedom Tower. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, in the Freedom Tower. But, I don't know. Um, All right. Anyway, anyway. Was, yeah, he was supposed to be in a meeting up there, but it was on like a day he didn't really have to be in the city or something. So he was just like, you know what? I'm sitting this one out. And, oh, um, that's lucky. Like, yeah, but he had friends that yeah. like he was supposed to be at the meeting with. and Oh, yeah. Well, George yeah. Bush's cousin worked in the World Trade Center. And he had oh, a really? meeting that day and then it got like it wasn't or he didn't work in the World Trade Center, but it was like he had to go to a meeting in the World Trade Center. Like it got moved there and he was like, I don't really yeah. want to go to this meeting. Like, I don't really need to go to this meeting. And yeah. so he didn't go and they all died or no, all but one person that went to the meeting, I believe, died. Yeah. Um, Like just yes, crazy. Just as we're rounding this out before we do our... um announcement for announcement. Like next week or whatever but um yeah actually a close um family friend was one of the first responders um john coglin and his name is inscribed in i want to say it's the south it's either the north or south tower on i think the 23rd like panel they're all kind of like labeled so you wow. can find um you can go online and and see if you uh know anybody um, yeah that uh passed away 
do to this. Uh, you can find their name and find out what little panel they're on. You can go there. Yep. You can um, etch their name. But yeah, John Coughlin was um, a family friend. and That's really cool. Yeah. And, well, not uh, cool, but like, you know what I mean. Like, it's nice yeah, that he's being I remember, honored. Um, uh, the last time I went there, I think, was when they were building that um, mall thing, that Oculus thing. Oh, the thing yeah. that's, that's white and yeah. it's like got those cross things. Anyway, so they were building that. So there was like construction gates around it. And because it was so close to the um, memorial pools, they had, you know, those signs that are like printed, but you can kind of see through them on the construction right. gates. Yeah. They had some of those like on the construction gate saying like 9-11 memorial this way. And there were like pictures of the memorial and everything. And uh, we were walking down the street with my friend, and I looked up at one of the construction gates, and it was literally John's name with a rose sticking out of it. I have chills. Right? Oh, that was him was saying like, hi. That was him saying like, hi. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he was saying the, fucking hello. I hope you had your camera. And uh, Yeah, I took a picture of it on my phone immediately and sent it to my parents. I was like, holy shit. That's insane. Oh, my right? God chills like out of all of the panels out of all of the names out of everything that out of it was like the one person that i like really knew that's crazy yeah Yeah. oh wow so i don't know this is just obviously we're releasing on the day so just as like a little remembrance and that happy memory seeing his name just kind of like yeah it did give me chills it was weird yeah oh that's amazing yeah yeah and anytime you're in the city the memorials are gorgeous to visit absolutely um, yeah it's do a little research on it before you go just because um you can appreciate it a little bit more yeah and if you have the strength to go to the museum more power to you i don't think i'm gonna make it there for a while yeah yeah it's gonna it'll take some time but if you're from out of state and don't think you're going to be in the city again i Go you think see it. Everyone yes. should see it. It is a once yeah. in a lifetime thing. Yeah. Um. Anyway. But yeah. On a happier note, I, I was gonna say to end it on a high note. Yeah. Um. First of all, go to the website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. Yes. Uh, and our social media is all there. Crimeculturepod at gmail.com. All of our yep. social media is on the website. That's done. Out of the way. So we're done here. Okay. So next month is halloween it's the spooky month it is a spooky month the whole month is halloween not just the the last day of the month the whole month is halloween starting on so, halloween first going to halloween 31st it's true so because it's a very spooky month we decided we wanted to do something special so, so we decided that 13 nights of halloween on freeform is now going to be 31 nights of halloween you're all welcome 13 Nights of Halloween is not enough, and we're releasing two episodes a week. Oh, that too. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to release regularly on Tuesdays, like we usually do, and then we're yeah. also going to release on Thursdays <gasps> during the month of October. Gasp! Yeah. Excitement! It's going to be a fun time. we got some really cool Halloween-related things coming fun down for the them. pike stressful for us but worth it all in all stressful for us because we got a lot of research and recording to do but we're, we're going double time through. but we're gonna do it yes uh it's gonna be really fun i'm really excited we've had some stuff planned we have an episode that um we've recorded on location 
Yes. Before yes. Caitlin left. So yes. I'm excited to finally That's gonna uh, be a fun one. Share that with everybody. It's gonna be a fun time. You get to hear um, me yell. That's always fun. Everybody loves that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, as we're recording our longest episode yet for the second time, Jesus Christ! <laughs> thanks for joining us, and just I'm sure like this is I mean this is coming out midnight Eastern Standard Time, so you can yes listen to this before the actual anniversary, depending on what time zone you're in. I can. But, Other people can't. Um, All the plebs can't. Yeah. But um. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead and uh, take a minute today, even yeah. if you don't know somebody from uh, that passed away during the attacks, which, honestly, it's hard to find somebody who doesn't, doesn't. at least have a certain degree of separation. Or, or yeah, I was going to say somebody who knows somebody, even, like, Yeah, I mean, exactly. We all know Pete Davidson. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, just take a minute today. And they read the names on the news, at least by me, every morning. Yeah. I'm sure no. you can stream uh, on the morning of the attack. Um, right. I'm sure There's, you could stream it somewhere. I was going to say you can stream it. A lot of um, local governments will either have a siren or have like moment a local church. Or, like, yeah, yeah, have a local church ring a bell, something to signify a moment of silence. Um, yeah. Just do a little something today. Yeah. And we just wanted to, like, we're interrupting our series on Black Mirror just because... Uh, this is important. Yeah, we didn't want to do some more lighthearted thing on uh, right. the anniversary of this and right. completely ignore it. So, right. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. And we'll see you next Tuesday. week for Black Mirror Part 3. Yeah. And um, get ready for October, because we're excited. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm emotionally right. drained. I don't know if it's the whole like four hours of recording or if it's this episode, but I'm just. Well, we're done. Ooh. Bye, everybody. Bye.